Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to this matchup between the Seton Hall Pirates and the Xavier Musketeers. She tried to get it down to Ross, but that's stolen by the Pirates. And here comes Maya Jackson on the fast break. And Maya Jackson strikes first for the Pirates, giving them a 2-0 lead here with about nine minutes remaining. I mean, a bad pass there by Wasselson, and that's stolen by Elmore. Here come the Pirates. Park Lane gets it over to Keenan. Another three, and she gets that one to go. Victoria Keenan is absolutely on fire. And Park Lane drives, takes it herself, and gets that one to go. And one, Lauren Park Lane. Great move there by the sophomore guard, Lauren Park Lane. And Bembry now has it. Pirates quickly down the floor. Bembry. Puts that one up to go, and the Pirates have hit 100 points. The Pirates leading 100-58 to 58 here with four minutes to go in the fourth. The hey. Pirates could hold the basketball here for the final possession and run out the clock again. It seems like that's going to be all she wrote here. 108-65, to 65, Ryan. I mean, what a victory here for the Pirates as the time is almost expired. Bye. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pirate Rewind. I'm your host, Ryan Henry, joined alongside my analysts for the day, Jory Mickens and Connor Hester. Before we get into today's episode, guys, how has your day been thus far? It's been pretty good, Ryan. Appreciate you asking. Uh, and this matchup that we're going to talk about, this game, I mean, it was it was crazy, as you remember, as Connor remembers. So I'm excited to to, to dive into it. Thank you for uh, thank you for asking. First of all, Ryan, nice to see both of you guys. And I've been looking forward to this all day. So this has been getting me through, and I can't wait to talk about this game. It was really exciting when it happened. And I'm really excited to talk about it with you guys today. Yeah, this game was electric and really unlike anything either of us have probably experienced covering Seton Hall sports before. And overall, I'm having a solid day, and I think this is going to be a great episode. So before you break down the individual game itself for the viewers or for the listeners at home. Kind of describe what your roles were for this game, for this broadcast. Uh, Well, I was thrown on as a play-by-play commentator for this game. I was – I don't think I was originally um, supposed to be broadcasting this game, but I guess because of some scheduling uh, situations, I ended up calling this game, and I got to say I got pretty lucky. Uh, this was a really fun one to call with you, Ryan. Um but yeah, that was that was basically my role. I believe there was also a men's game the same night, uh, and that game was on the FM. So that was also pretty. That was an interesting situation we had. But um, yeah, play by play, it was it was a lot of fun doing this game. Yeah, um, I I mean I was beat right in this game, and because it was uh, actually in uh, in where's Xavier in Cincinnati. I was trying to think. I was about to say. Indianapolis but the other game was against Butler the men's game was against Butler the aforementioned one um but the game was uh in Cincinnati so I I didn't go obviously and I was actually not in the station I was just kind of hanging out at home and I was paying attention to this online so this was a very cool game to see because I was only seeing it through the stats so to see the as the game broke apart to see the stats just gash uh, towards the Pirates was very incredible. It was really cool to watch, actually. Yeah, and as Jory mentioned previously, I was the color commentator for this game. And actually, a fun fact, this was the first game I broadcasted for WSOU. Last year, being the pandemic, we did, uh, Big East didn't have any fall sports. So the wintertime, 
was the first opportunity for people to really get broadcasting opportunities. And me only being a freshman, you kind of have to work your way into a role. And it just so happened that my first game was this Xavier Seton Hall game. And it's funny that you both mentioned that the, that there was another men's game on and there was another men's game on at the time. So Heaven Hill, our sports director, WSU sports director, was in studio at for this game. And I remember me and Jory after the game, we go up to him, we're like talking, how was, how was the men's game? Because we were calling the women's game. He said, man, I looked at what the women women were doing. That game should have been on FM because as we'll break down later, it was electrifying and unlike anything either of us had seen. Unfortunately, not as many people got to hear it, but it was a great game nonetheless. So, you know, going into this game, what were your guys' expectations going to this match? Now, you know, they last played, Seen Hall and Xavier played earlier this year, which the Pirates won by over 25 points. And, you know, Xavier was on this cold, cold, cold streak. They hadn't won since December of 2020. And this game was in February, late February of 2021. So, almost two whole months in, in a calendar year. And it looked as though Seton Hall would have won comfortably. So were you guys expecting a blowout or because maybe it was a road gate, a road conference game, it would have been a lot closer than what actually uh, transpired. Yeah. So we didn't know at the time, but this win, I guess, against Xavier was part of a five game winning streak or in the middle of a five game winning streak for Seton Hall. They obviously had one, two straight, heading into this game against Georgetown and Providence. And then they won their next two road games or their eventual next two road games against Villanova and St. John's. Uh, and like you said, Ryan, their first matchup with Xavier, they dominated the Musketeers. They won 85-59. So, again, I think we were all expecting a win. and But I don't know if we were necessarily expecting a blowout performance, a record-breaking performance like this one. Um Obviously, the Pirates were pretty streaky this past season. They had, you know, long win streaks and long losing streaks. So that was obviously uh, an inclination of how you thought this game would go. But again, I don't, I don't think anyone could have expected something like this because this, this was a just earth-shattering performance by Seton Hall. Yeah, I mean, as Jory said, this game, nobody could have seen it going this way. I mean, I definitely, writing my preview for this game, I was looking at it and I go, it, you know, I said, this isn't going to be a very close game. I mean, Seton Hall trounced them by 26 at Walsh Gymnasium, like about a month and a half before this game. Uh, and uh, the Musketeers, Xavier hadn't played, they played, this was their fourth game in a month. They hadn't, they played four games since January 23rd of 2020, uh, 2021, excuse me, before playing this. And they were 0-5 in the new year. They were 0-5 after the turn of the calendar. So they hadn't won a game. They were very, very cold. And like Jory said, this was a really streaky uh, women's basketball team for the Pirates. And they were right in the midst of one of the hottest stretches of the year for them, coming off of an overtime win against uh georgetown and then a big win against providence bringing in bringing them into this on a two-game winning streak i i don't think xavier stood a chance yeah i thought scene hall was going to win pretty comfortably but you know given that it is a road game against a big east opponent usually no matter the talent disparity a lot of times these games are close or at least closer than expected you know this isn't a saint peter's or a, a wagner a mid-major that scene hall's playing they're playing a conference opponent 
granted, Xavier was not doing well this entire season. Like you said, Connor, they were on a five to six game losing streak going into this match. So looked like Seton Hall was going to win comfortably, but by this margin, it was just, you know, insane of how much they actually won by. So getting into the individual game itself. So the game starts and it's a pretty even affair about four minutes in the score is 11 to eight in favor of the Musketeers. Then the Pirates flip a switch and go on a 22 to five run to close out the quarter. Now, guys, did you expect the Pirates to kind of turn this switch so drastically given the talent, the offensive talent they had on their roster and their trajectory both teams are going on? Or were you just like, wow, like 22 to five to end off a quarter was astronomical and they went up by 14 to end the first? I mean, I, uh, speaking for myself, I didn't think they would be 22 to five. I did not think it would be that big of a disparity at the end of the first quarter. That's just the run. That wasn't even the final score of the quarter. They were, they went, ended it going 22 to five. I never saw it getting like that. Um, but I, I definitely did think that they, they were just going to run away with this as soon as I started seeing that happen. Yeah. I mean, when you put up 30 points in the first quarter and then again in the third quarter, that's just that's just a sign that you got to wave the white flag at that point if you're Xavier because, I mean, there's just no coming back from that. Uh, the Pirates, they just came out super hot, and they stayed hot the rest of the game. There really was nothing Xavier could do throughout this one. Um, and like you said, you know, we'll, we'll probably talk about some more individual players, but everyone seemed to be locked in. I, um, I mean, I think as a team – the Pirates shot like 62% from the field or something like that and 60% from three, which is just ridiculously good numbers, ridiculously efficient. Um, and then their defense at the same time was just so dominant. So, again, it was it was really one of the, the better performances we've ever seen in this program. Um, and, you know, I guess really to answer your question, I, I mean, after, again, once you once you start a game like that, it's just hard to cool off. And I, I don't, I don't think the the pirates did. Uh, so again, I'd have to agree with Connor. It was it was pretty crazy to see that. Yeah, they were really clicking on all cylinders. And Jory, you mentioned their insane efficiency in this game. And it wasn't like they were just making difficult shots. It's just like you know they were getting all these open looks because of their defensive play, able being able to create turnovers, and they were just hitting the threes. I mean, coming out of that four minute mark. You know, there was just, I think, like a stretch of four or five straight threes made by the Pirates, and that really just erupted the game. And at that point, Xavier had no chance of coming back. So one of the catalysts for this first quarter run, and really the entire game altogether, was sophomore guard Victoria Keenan. She had four threes in her own the first quarter and ended the game with 21 points on seven of seven shooting from behind the arc. Now, Keenan wasn't really a focal point of the offense in most of the Pirates games last season, but... She did have a game earlier this year, where earlier that year, where she dropped 21 points on seven to seven shooting from three, also against Wagner, I believe. And I think Jory, you made note of in the in the um broadcast when she was like going off. So obviously we saw that she had this potential to go off, get hot. But how shocked were you when she was really she was the one who started this run that just blew the game wide open and led to this historical performance by the Pirates? Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, Ryan, I think we understood that uh, she was capable of this kind of performance. Like you said, she 
weirdly had the same exact stat line in the first game of the season against St. Peter's 21 points on seven of seven shooting from downtown. Um, you know, obviously you're always going to be surprised when a player is that efficient, when they're, when they're that good in a game, but for it to come from Keenan, I, I think it, it made a lot of sense. Uh, she has, you know, she, she's really that spark plug off the bench for the pirates and hopefully she can continue to do that uh, this coming season. But um, I think if it were anyone else, it would have been different. But since it was Victoria Keenan and since we had seen it before, I wasn't necessarily shocked that it happened. But, of course, it was still an incredible performance. And, again, like you said, it really helped them get out to that early lead and really just help them steamroll Xavier for the rest of the game. Yeah, I mean, not to echo Jory exactly, but I mean, the fact that she had shown us previously in the season in the St. Peter's game that she can be lights out from downtown. She went seven of eight in this game shooting. Her only miss was from two. So if you ask me, she should have just kept shooting from three, put up 21 points, never made a trip to the line. But the big thing is that she wasn't the only 20 point scorer for the Pirates. We had two other people with uh, over 20 points and we'll get to those later. It, it's the pirates played unbelievably well. And she, she was just an absolute spark, uh, spark plug for them off the bench. Yeah. And I, when I was researching kind of breaking down this game, like kind of remembering what happened and you're looking at the game log and it said Victoria Keenan subbed in at around that, that six minute mark where the run happened first play, she hits a three. And then that essentially just blew everything open. And obviously, like you guys said, she had this potential to go off, but to see, you know, someone who is not like the first, second, or third option on a team kind of start this whole run and end up with 21 points on almost 100% shooting, shooting perfect 7-7 seven seven from behind the arc was just crazy. And it was kind of, you know, given how much offensive production this team had, you had to assume one of the, you know, I wouldn't say outliers, but one of the lesser known or lesser known contributors for this Pirates team was going to lead to that team's success. So... The other catalyst for this fourth quarter run and this game in general was Andra Espinoza-Hunter. Now, her going off isn't as surprising as Victoria Keenan going off. Uh, Espinoza-Hunter won Big East Player of the Week multiple times this season, and she had a five-game stretch where she scored 23-plus points in each contest. And so when she started going off in the first end of the first quarter, did you guys think it was basically the beginning of the end for Xavier, given the fact that one of the quote-unquote big three of this Seton Hall women's Pirates team was now finding her group and getting into the offensive flow. Yeah, I mean, that's what made watching this team last year so much fun because they did have three players in Andres Espinosa Hunter, Lauren Park Lane, and Desiree Elmar, who at any moment could, or in any game really, could get you 20-plus points. Um, but, of course, in this one, it, it was Espinosa Hunter that really led the way for the Pirates with 25 points. She shot 9 of 13 from the field, so... Uh, again, like you said, Ryan, I think it when you have that, and then on top of that, uh, an uncharacteristic or maybe not uncharacteristic, but um, uncommon, I guess, performance from someone off the bench like Keenan, then at that point, again, it's it's just so hard to even compete with the Pirates because they just have so much offensive firepower at that point. And again, that's not even it's not it's worth mentioning that you know Maya Jackson also had 21 points in this game. And, of course, we'll talk about Lauren Park Lane and her her historic performance in this one as well. So 
I mean, again, when you have that many people cooking uh, in this in at any time, it, it's just so difficult to stop this team. Yeah, I mean the the Pirates when uh, when Andres Benoza Hunter started cooking, it it looked like it was over. The Pirates held Xavier to shooting just forty two percent from the field in the first quarter alone, while the Pirates shot fifty percent. And then you if you look at it. Like Jory was saying, this roster was stacked from top to bottom. It had people who could contribute on both ends of the floor. Lauren Park Lane was plus 41 on the night. Andres Espinosa Hunter was plus 36. Desiree Elmore was plus 37. And we could talk about the great night she had on the defensive end of the floor too because she didn't need to put up 20 points this night because we had three other people do it. it and you want to talk about Victoria Keenan being great. She was plus 31. Uh, this team sat there and they they were lights out all night every single aspect of what they tried to do worked for them and Xavier had no answer and uh Andre Espinosa Hunter was a big reason they were able to get that going putting up 25 for the Pirates in just under 30 minutes yeah it's one thing seeing you know a bench player or a role player a role player in terms of the Pirates team kind of going off and starting a little run but once you get you know a star or Andre, Andre Espinosa Hunter was really the first option for this team once she was eligible to play. And once you get, you know, one of your main stars cooking, it just allows the rest of the team to flow and operate. And you guys mentioned this team was deep as it was to begin with. Like it didn't have to be te- like theoretically it didn't have to be Andre Espinosa Hunter to, to lead this run or to lead this run along with Victoria Keenan. They could have been Laura Park Lane or Desiree Elmer who were both first team, all Big East members themselves, but just that ability to pop off at any time was huge for them. And then once AEH started getting rolling, you know, the entire offense just clicked together and the entire team in general was just on another level. And Xavier really had no match for it. So speaking of Lauren Parkling, who I just mentioned just a few moments ago. And so she played in this match. This is her first match against Xavier this year, as she didn't play in the previous game due to an injury. And, Obviously, her presence was going to help this team. I mean, she was a first uh, first team Big East mem- selection, and she won Most Improved Player of the Year in the Big East. But I don't think any of us expected to have the game she had. She scored 17 points on under 50% shooting, which is very reasonable to think. But but in the playmaking department, she really shined. She had 15 assists, which was a Seton Hall record, one of many the Pirates broke this game. And in the process, got her first career double-double. Now, LPL was a great playmaker the entire season. She led the team in assists at over five a game. So did you guys notice anything different in how she approached this like floor general role? Or do you think it was just the matter of fact that the Pirates were hitting shots at such a high volume and high rate that the assist numbers were just bound to be high given the open looks they had? Yeah, I mean, I think it's partially a little bit of both. Um, I mean, Lauren Park Lane, she's she's probably not the most efficient pirate uh on this roster or on last year's roster at least um but she knows how to score and that opens up avenues to be a better playmaker um that's just basketball 101 and you know 15 assists is is probably something we won't see again from her uh i mean if we do that'd be incredible but that's that's a ridiculously high mark um and uh, but i mean again it's definitely a combination of both. It definitely helps when your team shoots 62% from the field. That's going to help your assist numbers. But, I mean, she's just so talented in that, in that I guess, facet uh, of her game. It's just 
it's, it's so she's just so much fun to watch. And I think if you're a Pirates fan, you got to be so excited for her, um, you know, going into her junior year. I think she could be the leader of this team next to Espinosa Hunter and Maya Jackson. Uh, I think the Pirates are going to have a special team this year. And I think, again, like you said, being the most improved player last year, Ryan, this that was really her coming out party uh, this past season. And now she's a household name in the Big East. And maybe she starts to get some national recognition uh, this coming year, which would be awesome. But this was just a, a a breakout performance for Lauren Park Lane. And to doing it coming off, you know, a missed game, that's, that's pretty uh, incredible as well. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I feel like this this game specifically was kind of Lauren Park Lane's real big coming out party where it was she didn't play the game before against uh, against Providence for the Pirates. And then she sat there and comes out here and puts up 15 assists. Uh, I mean, obviously, like you said, Jory, it's helped a lot when your team shoots 62% from the field. Um, and the Pirates trailed, fun fact, for just 36 seconds in this game. So it really helps when you're winning for all but 36 seconds of a game a defense is, is going to start getting anxious and start attacking the uh, the person with the ball. And that's going to leave a lot of open shots. For, and she was just able to find every single open shot uh, for the pirates on the floor. And, you know, her teammates were there picking her up and uh, hitting shots when they needed to. Yeah. I definitely think it's a combination of the two, because if you're hitting shots at such a high rate, like teams usually just don't make 60% of their shots. That's just unrealistic to do over really an entire season. But, you know, also she was the fourth scorer on this Pirates roster. So, you know, a lot of the opportunities were opening up more, you know, teams weren't as gravitated towards her. So she can make that pass to Maya Jackson or Victoria Keaton or Andre Espinosa Hunter. So it allowed her to take a step back, not worry about having to get the ball in the basket instead, setting up other teammates. And also not even the fact that she had 15 assists, but three turnovers for her being a ball dominant guard and getting that many assists is just an insane ratio and her ability to, hold on to the ball and not commit careless turnovers. It was huge for her in that game. And so speaking of, you know, LPL and her season last year, do you think that this was her best performance from her most improved player campaign? Or do you think, do you have another game that comes to mind? Uh, I mean, this is definitely up there, but there was another game against UConn. Um, I don't know her actual stat line. I'd have to double check it, but Going up against Paige Beckers against UConn, um, I believe it was a home game in Walsh. Uh, she did not back down at all to one of the best players in the entire nation, maybe the best player, depending on who you ask. So I think that was also a, a really, really great performance from, from Lauren Park Lane. But it's hard to argue with this one. I mean, a double-double with 15 assists, that's, that's, that's going to be a, an outstanding game for any basketball player, so... Um, it's, it's tough to argue, but I would say, I mean, she definitely had a, a, a number of really, really good games throughout the season, but, the, and this was definitely one of them. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to have to agree with Jory. I, this is by far probably her best game. I mean, she did have a really, really good game against UConn going up against Paige Becker's one-on-one. -on -one. I just pulled up her stat line from that UConn game. She put up 29 points on uh on nine of 20 from the field in 36 minutes a great scoring game from her and uh six assists to go along with it not a bad game by any means but i have to go with uh with this game being by far her best her best because 
it's just something about being able to walk away with the W as well as a really nice stat line that just makes the game seem a little better to me. Yeah, those are both some solid options. And I really can't disagree if you want to say that that's a good stat line or good her best performances. I wouldn't be mad. Like you said, Connor, if she got the W in that UConn game, I think that probably would have definitively been her best game. But another game I'll shout out is her Georgetown game from just over from just a week prior. She scored a career high 32 points, did so on good efficiency, nine of 17 shooting, including getting to the line, getting to the foul line 12 times making 11 in the process. And she also had four assists to go along with it. But I think that Georgetown game, this Xavier game, that UConn game, I think they're all good, you know, good options for her best game this season. And she really had a breaking out party this entire season, obviously winning most improved player of the year. And we just hope she can take that next jump again next year, continue her great play from last season to elevate this Pirates team. So Obviously, if you haven't really, if you've been listening, the reason why this game is so notable because of the offensive onslaught, they won, the Pirates won 108 to 65 over the Musketeers. Now, when you, what were you guys thinking as the Pirates kept adding onto their lead and the score kept increasing? Did, was there ever a moment in time where you're thinking, am I, is their history going to be made in the making? Is like, am I witnessing history, you know, firsthand and being able to cover this historical game? Um, you know, I don't know if I, I'd have to listen back to the broadcast. I don't know if I at any point realized we were witnessing a pretty historic event. I mean, probably in the fourth quarter as, as the team approached the 100 point mark, because obviously whenever they do that, that's in college, that's, that's just, that does not happen often. So, um, but they were just so dominant all throughout the game. I mean, again, I think I mentioned earlier, they scored 30 points in the first quarter alone. They outscored Xavier 23-14 to 14 in the second quarter. They went on a 14-1 to run uh, at a point during the third quarter. So, again, it was really just like a, a culmination of events throughout the game that led to this record-breaking performance. And I don't know if I ever pieced it together and I was – thinking in my head this this could be one of the best games in program history but it was uh it was pretty remarkable to watch them continue to dominate all game you know at some point you probably think okay they might take their foot off the gas they might sub in some reserves and the reserves may you know not be up to par as some of the starters but that was not the case cuz everyone again chipped in in this one and really added to the greatness of this game yeah, I mean, kind of to echo Jory again, I I was sitting there and I'm just watching the stats keep piling up for the Pirates and I'm just waiting for the Musketeers to keep matching them and then it stops halfway through the first quarter and the Pirates go on that massive run and you sit there and at the half, they were up by 23. The Pirates were up by 23 at the half and I was going, all right, at some point they're going to have to slow down. They're going to have to stop this but they didn't. They came out in the third quarter, outscored the Musketeers 30 to 15 and just they were up by 38 with 10 minutes left in the game with 10 minutes left. Going into the fourth quarter, you're up by 38 and I'm sitting there going, this is just incredible to watch. And you know, plus you're sitting there, you're watching Lauren Park Lane put up assist after assist. You have Andre Espinosa Hunter putting up points. You have Maya Jackson putting up 21 of her own. It at no point was I going, the Pirates are slowing down. It looked like from about halfway through the second quarter, they wanted to get 100. 
Yeah, I think the the moment I realized that something amazing could be happening was that a hundred point market. We were obviously comparing it to that St. Peter's game from earlier where they did manage to score over 100 points, but I didn't, I didn't think like, are they going to break the team record? Cause I didn't really have an, a, like a fair judgment of what it was. And I was like, Oh cool. They had hundred points per game. Jory, you said it. it's really a rare accomplishment in collegiate basketball, both men's and women's to hit 100 points. And then I think what, when I truly realized like how amazing this game was, was when I was talking to heaven Hill, the sports director, and he's like, you know, Ryan, that game should have been on FM instead of the men's game. And I'm like, because, yeah, like, Heaven, if you've never talked to him, met him, he's one of the biggest basketball junkies I know, and he's a big advocate for women's basketball as well. And so to hear him kind of echo that statement, it was like, wow, something incredible. Just We just broadcast something incredible. And it was a great game, and it was probably one of the best, my favorite games I've ever covered. So while we've spent most of this episode talking about their offensive showcase, I want to quickly shout out the Pirates' defensive effort, specifically – the fact that they forced 21 turnovers on the Musketeers, which I think was the seventh or eighth game they forced 20-plus uh, turnovers against their opponents, which led to 35 points off of those turnovers. Now, guys, how impressive was this def- their defensive performance in this match? Uh, I mean, it's very impressive. I mean, like you said, I mean, there's not really much else to say. I mean, to force, like you said, 21 turnovers in a game is is pretty remarkable. To hold them, to hold Xavier uh, to just, you know, about 45% shooting from the field is is also very, very good. And I think you have to credit a lot of that to the coaching staff because they're the ones that are honing in the defense more than anything. Everyone loves offense. Every basketball player loves to play offense. They love to put the ball in the basket. But defense is really where you make your mark and – I feel like you have to praise the 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 coaching staff for Seton Hall because they're the ones again in their ear every practice telling them to to do the work on that end and that that'll make offense all that much easier. So I think the Pirates put it all together in this one. And again, you'll probably ask this question a little bit later, but it was just such a complete game for Seton Hall. I mean, both ends of the floor they were just locked in all game and. It was really just a dominant all-around performance for the Pirates. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree. It was dominance all over from front to back of this game. I, the Pirates allow the Pirates allowed Xavier to shoot be, better than fifty percent for one quarter, and that was the fourth quarter when this game was over and done with. Other than that, they held them to forty-three percent, forty percent, forty-three percent. They weren't allowing points, and it's like you said, Jory. Every basketball player. It's in their nature to put the buck to put the ball in the bucket. However, keeping the other team out of yours is just as important. And we saw this in this game. And it was really led by Desiree Desiree Elmore putting up eight rebounds and eight uh eight rebounds and eight points. It's not a lot, but it's the fact that she was able to do that quietly and lock down the defensive side of the floor that really allowed the Pirates to cook offensively because they didn't have to worry about what's going to happen if we don't score here because they had solid defense on the back end. Yeah, their defensive performance was amazing. We talk about how they went on that 22-5 to run to end the first quarter, and while the 22 figure is impressive in itself, holding Xavier to five points in the span of six minutes is just incredible. And that the Pirates' ability to force turnovers, you know, get those – easy opportunities whether it's transition threes or layups in the paint was huge and was part of the reason why they were able to score 108 points in the game in total and 
you know, while she didn't have the greatest offensive performance, like you said, Connor, Desiree Elmore was it on the defensive end. She got four steals to add to those eight rebounds and eight points. And those eight rebounds were actually all on the defensive end. So that meant she was either boxing out her opponent and crashing the glass or, you know, forcing up a bad look and then getting the rebound for herself as well. And also, Andrea Spinoza Hunter, to go along with her game-high 25 points, she also added three seals on the defensive end as well. I remember when, you know, she was transferring in, she was a huge presence as a, you know, wing defender who could help guard the opposing team's best scorer wing. And she obviously made that impact on the defensive end that night as well. And overall, like you said, it was just pure dominance. And now, talking about this game as a whole, who do you guys think was the MVP of this game? That's a tough question, Ryan. Um, I mean, it's there's just so many names you could throw out there. Obviously, we talked about Andre Espinosa Hunter. We talked about Victoria Keenan. I feel like if I had to pick one, I think Lauren Park Lane, just because she was the one facilitating everything offensively, at least. Uh, and on top of that, getting her own baskets, I mean – put up 17 and 15 that's just unheard of um and again it's just to bring everyone together she was the one that was really getting the easy shots for her teammates um you know she's the reason why everyone else was so efficient she's the reason why the team as a whole was so efficient so uh you could say again elmore who was again a great presence defensively or espinoza hunter or victoria keenan who were lights out from from three as well as Maya Jackson but I feel like Lauren Park Lane was the one that really I guess brought everyone together and helped the Pirates dominate the Musketeers in this one I mean good pick fair pick Lauren Park Lane was definitely massive for the Pirates in this game and I mean it it's going to be hard to be wrong in this game. There were so many people for the pirates from top to bottom that were good, but I have just me. I have to go with Desiree Elmore. I have to, the fact that she was able to secure the defensive end for the pirates and allow everybody else to cook on the offensive end, as well as adding eight points of her own. She had eight rebounds. She led the team in steals with four Lauren park lane, or excuse me, Andre, Andre Espinosa Hunter added three of her own, but Desiree Elmore sat there and locked down the defensive side as well as being plus 37 and 27 minutes on the floor. She was second on the team in plus minus, and it was it's clear and it was clear while watching that game that Desiree Elmore touched the floor and things absolutely ground to a halt for uh, for Xavier and the Pirates were able to keep cooking. Yeah, I mean those are both great choices. Lauren Park Lane and her playmaking ability really opened up the offense. And Desiree Elmore basically just replicated what she did the entire season, locking down the defensive end, being that interior force allowing nothing to get by here. But I'm going to go with Victoria Keenan because if you look at what Andre Espinosa Hunter did, what Lauren Park Lane did to a certain extent, and what Desiree Elmore did, this is kind of like what we expected from night in, from night out. Maybe not the 15 assists from Lauren Park Lane, but Victoria Keenan, she was the, when she came in, she kind of started this run and allowed the Pirates offense to explode. We rarely saw her do this in any other contest. She did it one other time against St. Peter's, but for her to come out, hit four threes in the first quarter and the night with seven of set and the night going seven to seven from behind the arc. I think it was really her game because of just how impactful her performance was and how kind of rare it is compared to what else she did this entire season. And now guys, do you think that this was the best game we saw from the pirates in general, this entire year? 
Yeah, I mean, I think we talked, uh, I kind of uh, prefaced this a little bit earlier. I, it's hard to argue that the Pirates played a more complete game than this one. Again, you we talked about the St. Peter's game with uh, Victoria Keenan kind of posting the same stat line. But again, this was just an even more record-breaking performance. And it was also a pretty critical win considering it was near the end of their season. It was against a Big East opponent. Um, so I think it was just undoubtedly just all around a very uh, important win for the Pirates last year on top of the fact that it was just literally one of the best performances we've ever seen from a team in this program's history. So it's hard to argue that there was a better game that the Pirates played last year. Yeah, I mean, I would have to agree. This is probably probably by far the best game they played. I mean, this it's the most points they scored. And you can argue that St. Peter's game, the first game of the year, was arguably just as good where they won 107 to 60. But, I mean, you did this against arguably better competition and a Big East opponent in Xavier. Um, my only other option for best game of the year would be that uh, that St. John's game to close out the year where they won it 59 to 43. Always nice to go into Carneseca and have a Pirates win. Um, but I do have to agree. This one is just massive. It continues the hot streak that they were on, starting with the overtime win against uh, against Georgetown, excuse me. And then, you know, they have the Providence game. You win this, and then they go on the road to beat Villanova before they go beat St. John's. It absolutely massive. Kept the kept the momentum going. And if I'm not mistaken, this five-game win streak bumped them up like two spots in the Big East standings before the tournament. Yeah, Connor, that game was huge for their Big East final season push, which got them to the third seed. And I, I think I have to agree with you guys. I think this was overall their most complete performance. They were dominant offensively, dominant defensively. I think there's a couple other games you can make the case for that St. John's game to end of the year was – absolutely huge them winning against Villanova was also a critical game and the St. Peter's game it was kind of it was a very similar game but like you said Xavier is a better team you know they play in the Big East they're playing a big conference and so I think this was overall their most complete game of the year so talking about this Pirates team following this game what was the impact excuse me what was the impact this game had on the rest of the Pirates season obviously we mentioned that they capped off the year with a five-game win streak. So how huge was it for them to lock down this game and, you know, and allow them, them themselves to go on this little run? Yeah, so Seton Hall, they were 11-6, and six, I believe, heading into this game. And I don't know if it was necessarily a, a quote-unquote must-win game, but it certainly helped them, obviously, in their end-of-season standings. Um, I believe Seton Hall... DePaul and Villanova all finished within like a game of one another last year in the standings. So this one, this game certainly helped them secure that number three seed in the Big East Conference. Obviously, uh, that didn't matter that much considering they ended up losing in the first round of the Big East Conference, but or in the Big East tournament, excuse me. Um, but it certainly helped them avoid that four or five game, which is always, you know, a tough matchup in, in any tournament. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, this one just really helped them propel them to finish the season on a five game winning streak. Uh, and it, I think it gave them the confidence moving forward for those next two games, the final two games of their regular season. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it obviously had a, some kind of impact because again, this was a pretty streaky team and I think uh, this was a, a, another just 
streaky part of their season. Yeah, I mean, Jory talks about how they were a streaky team. They they won uh, six in a row before they f- uh, played UConn for the second time in the season and got blown out by the Huskies. Then they lost a heartbreaker at home against Creighton. Then they lost to DePaul. And then they go and then they go on this five game winning streak to end the year. So th- I think this game was absolutely huge because you know, you sit there and you have these two wins that overtime win against Providence or Georgetown, excuse me, and then the Providence win. Th- both of those games are at home. Then you go on the road to in the Cintas Center in Cincinnati and you absolutely wipe the floor with the Musketeers. It gave them the confidence to go into go into Villanova and do the same thing there, and then go do the same thing in Queens against St. John's. This game was absolutely beautiful, and I think it was everything that the Pirates needed, giving them all the confidence to go wrap up this season uh, on the road against two their two biggest rivals. Yeah, and it's not even the fact that, like, they, they, beat, they just beat Xavier. They won in dominant fashion because it's one thing to beat Georgia at home and Providence at home. You know, they were – Providence was, like – Providence Georgia were kind of all right. They weren't amazing this year. Georgia was not great at all, and Providence was in the middle. But to go on the road and start this road trip with really a record-breaking win just gave this team, this streaky team, all the confidence in the world to go into Villanova, get that win, and then go to St. John's and get that win and end off the season on a high note. It's really unfortunate. It's really unfortunate that they couldn't, you know – go far in the Big East tournament or even make the NCAA tournament. But the fact that they were able to win in this commanding fashion just set them up for a great road trip, which propelled them to a three seed and, you know, over exceeding the the regular season expectations put on this Pirates team before they started. So it was absolutely everything that they were able to secure this win in such a dominant fashion to set themselves up for the rest of the regular season. And now finally, where does this game rank amongst all games you've ever covered for Seahawks, whether that be basketball, men's or women's, soccer, volleyball, baseball, whatever? Where does this rank amongst games you've covered for Seton Hall? I and you're you're making me go into the archives, man. I don't this is this is just tough. Oh gosh. I feel like I've covered so many good games and like off the top of my head, I can't really think of any other ones. Um I'm sure I've covered some soccer games last season that were pretty eventful. Obviously, there's always some great men's basketball games uh, that I've been a part of. But, I mean, just to be able to 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 witness this with you, Ryan, you know, calling that play-by-play and color positions, it's tough to, to say that th- there was a better game than I've gotten to cover. Um, it was just such a cool thing to watch, and it, it was just a lot of fun. You know, this team last season – there was a lot of ups and downs, but this was literally the high of all highs, I think, of their season, of any season, honestly, I think, of of really any team at Seton Hall last year. I mean, outside of maybe the men's soccer team winning the Big East Championship, there really wasn't that many, you know, moments like this one where you're really in the record books forever. So it's it's really tough to say that I I've covered a, a better game than this one. But I'd, I'll have to get back to you on that one, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd say in uh, in games that I covered for WSOU, this is number two. Um, in games that I covered in general, I covered the Mamu Kelishvili buzzer beater against Creighton. 
for PTV. So that's by far and away my number one game that I ever covered for Seton Hall so far. Um, my number, my number one for PTV was I was, or for WSOU, excuse me, um, was I was doing play-by-play for the women's soccer team for their only win of the 2019 season. So that was really cool. And they, they won it on a goal with like four minutes left. So it was a really cool game to see them win. Um, but this is number two for me for WSOU. This was a really fun game to cover, though. It was a lot of fun to just watch the historic performance, I have to say. Yeah, I don't have to go into my bag as much as Jory to think of personal experiences. I've only covered maybe a handful of games across my young scene hall career. But I think this is by far the best one, the best game I've covered just because of its historical significance. The only game that really can ever that could come close was uh, David Festa's shutout in last season for baseball. And it led to him eventually being drafted by the Minnesota Twins. I think that game was a huge catalyst for it. And if I had to say for the next for the next two or three years, I'm covering Seen Hall Sports. I really don't see a game that could it'd be very hard for a game to match this excitement. Maybe if it's like, you know, a, cha- a title, a le- uh, conference championship game or like an insane buzzer beater or an insane upset, maybe. But there's very few things that I can think of that probably replicate just the greatness of this broadcast. Also, given the fact that it was my first time broadcasting for WSU, so it has a bit more you know, nostalgia and sentimental value than any other game I'll do after this. So, but it's one of the great, it's one of the best games I've covered, easily the best game I've covered so far. I'll jump in here, Ryan. I think recently, this is very recent. It might be a little biased, but I covered the women's soccer game against Iona uh, this, you know, probably a week ago or two weeks ago. And that was also a record-breaking performance. They scored six goals in that one. And I believe that was the most goals the program had scored in a game in about 13 years or maybe 12 years, 13 years. So maybe it's me. It's something about me being on a broadcast that makes teams want to play better. But I got to say that was a pretty cool game as well. But uh, again, this this was a pretty this was really one of the, the coolest experiences I've had working at WSOU, getting to cover this game. Uh, and I hope that we get some more performances like this in the future. Do you guys have anything else to add before I wrap it up? Go Pirates. Okay, so that'll do it for us here at Pirate Rewind. Thank you again for listening to our show. Once again, I'm your host, Ryan Henry. Join me alongside my great analysts, Jory Mickens and Connor Hester. Come back here every week at Pirate Rewind where you can find members of WSOU Sports looking back at iconic moments in Seton Hall sports. We hope you all have a nice day and stay safe.